This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Glory UGA podcast. I'm Tyler, and this is a special commitment edition of the Glory UGA podcast that I put together very quickly here late on a Sunday night for just a quick recap of the two commitments that our Georgia football program picked up over the weekend with former five-star wide receiver prospect and Savannah native Demetrius Robertson picking the dogs over Alabama, West Virginia, and Texas. And also on top of that, late Sunday night, we've got news that Demons of Tackle prospect Zion Logue from Tennessee has also picked the dogs. Uh, I'm flying solo on this one today because Curtis was out of pocket when the news hit uh, tonight here late on Sunday night about Logue committing. And so to cover this in as timely a manner as possible, we want to get this uh, content out to you guys as quickly as possible. We just decided that I would go ahead and go at it alone today. So I'll be talking all about these two commitments that we got over the weekend here in just a moment. But first, I do want to remind everyone out there that you can follow us on Twitter at Glory underscore UJ. We'd love to get your thoughts on these two big commitments, especially Demetrius Roberts. I know this is one that a lot of people had their eye on over the past month or so when it was announced that he was transferring from Cal. So we'd love to hear what you guys had to say about this and how this might impact the 2018 or maybe 2019 team. We'll see how that works out. I uh, also want to make sure everyone knows you can find us on a variety of podcasting platforms out there. You can find us on dollsportsradio.com, part of the larger V-Sport O Internet Radio Network. A lot of Georgia content there, a lot of Georgia-specific stuff, a lot of national stuff as well. So check out V-Sport O, dollsportsradio.com. You can also download the Dollsports Radio app straight to your smartphone. Uh, but if you prefer SoundCloud, iTunes, or Stitcher and TuneIn, you can find us on those platforms as well, whatever works for you guys. Uh, if you get a chance, if you enjoy the show, uh, we always appreciate you guys listening. But if you do enjoy the show, it would be also great if you could just give us a quick rating, review, um, subscribe to us, all that good stuff to help us out as we continue to try to to take the show to bigger heights here. Uh, but all right, let's go ahead and let's get into these two commitments. Uh, so after a month, uh, I guess it's been about a month of crickets on the recruiting front. You've got the, the commitment from Plumlee, the quarterback, and Xavier Trust, the offensive lineman, about a month ago, but... It's been quiet on that front since that time. So we get two commitments over the weekend, and we're going to start with Demetrius Robertson, the former five-star and number one rated wide receiver coming out of high school in 2016. He originally committed to Cal after a long, very long, very drawn-out process that went more than two months past National Signing Day. I remember the day he uh, announced his commitment. It was a Sunday, and I was coming home from running the Nashville Marathon. It was like the last week of April. And uh, on the way home, he announces his commitment to Cal and with his drawing and of Cal Bear or whatever, man. It was like, oh, God, it was, it was a gut punch there. Uh, but we really don't know uh, what happened there at that time. But he's, he's transferring right now ostensibly to be closer to an ailing mother uh, is what we hear right now. But we don't really know what else went on behind the scenes with Cal. We don't know if it truly is that. Or maybe, maybe it's partly that, partly something else. There was a coaching change from Sonny Dykes who initially recruited him to the coaching staff there in place now at Cal. So there could have been something along the lines there, uh, just not a, a great fit with the new coaching staff. But from an on-field perspective, we all know this. I mean, this guy is extremely gifted. 
Uh, he is speed personified. He's a 10, 500 meter guy coming out of high school. So that's faster than Miko Hardman to put that in perspective for you. We all know how fast Miko is. Uh, but, um, in terms of running the hundred meter at a, in high school, Demetrius was faster than Miko. So, uh, he's got that crazy speed that you want, that deep threat ability. He's not a big guy. He's not at all. He's only about six foot, about 190 pounds or so. If you watch the commitment video, uh, he was running around with his shirt off a little bit, and he looked he looked a little bit thinner than that, man. He needs to get in the weight room a little bit. But still, he is a lethal deep threat, and he also has the quickness and enough wiggle to make people miss in space. He's just an incredible athlete. He really is. And as a freshman at Cal, if you look at production while he was at Cal, it's not like he's transferring because he wasn't getting playing time. That's not the case here. As a freshman at Cal, a true freshman at Cal, in a wide-open offense, he liked to sling the ball around with Sonny Dykes calling the shots. He grabbed 50 balls for six, for 700. 167 yards and seven touchdowns. That's a heck of a freshman year by any standard. And I actually, I remember watching a couple of Cal games that year, you know, the whole Pac-12 after dark deal with ESPN when they come on after all the, the East Coast games go dark. And I remember watching those games and Demetrius performing really well. And, you know, like just, I mean, happy for the kids, sure. But also at the same time, cursing and just fuming at what could have been if he had chosen us. And this, this was 2016, which we had a pretty rough year in our first year in a Kirby Storm. We could, definitely could have used a guy like Demetrius Robertson. We've been great seeing him put up 760-plus yards for us in 2016. So the next question here, now we know that he's a great player. All right, We know he has the ability, and we know he's done it at the college level, the Power 5 level. The next big question becomes, how did we end up here? Uh, obviously, with any commitment, our coaches deserve a ton of credit. These guys put in so many, I mean, untold hours recruiting these guys to come play for the University of Georgia. So they were, they deserve credit with any recruit, any commitment, but they really deserve major props for this one. Let's go back to the spring of 2016 when Demetrius was making his initial decision on where to go to college. Uh, if you guys remember, he signed a financial aid agreement with us prior to committing. I can't remember the exact date. I think it was around uh, March, something like that. When he signed that financial aid agreement with us, that was important because it allowed us to have unlimited contact with him. And you know our coaches took full advantage. Of course they would. And we would expect nothing less with how Kirby grinds and, and the demand and how he demands that his staff grind. But with that unlimited, that ability to contact him unlimited, Glenn Schumann, who had a previous relationship with Demetrius when he was committed to Alabama way back in his junior year of high school. He eventually obviously decommitted from Alabama, but initially he was committed to Alabama, and that's how Kirby and Schumann had to kind of end with him from their days back with, uh, with, with Saban there in Tuscaloosa. So Glenn Schumann had that previous relationship with him, and he really took the lead on this one, along with James Cooley, who at the time was our wide receivers coach. Now, obviously, he's transitioned to become our quarterback coach and co-offensive coordinator, but at the time, he was a wide receivers coach. So those two were kind of spearheading the effort to uh, to bring Demetrius Robertson to Athens, and they were flying down to Savannah about once a week or so to meet with Demetrius and his family in person, and of course, they were talking to him day after day on the phone, really just about every single day. Now, we all know at the time, despite all those efforts, it just didn't work out at the time. But what it did, what that effort did, is it laid the groundwork for us to gain his commitment the second time around when he decided to transfer from Cal. It was that, and also, you can't discount the incredibly classy and very savvy way that Kirby Smart himself handled the situation by publicly congratulating Demetrius on his commitment to Cal. We handled that like champs. It sucked. Of course, it was, like I said, it was a gut blow, but we handled it like men. And uh, obviously, when he decides to transfer from Cal, he remembers that. He remembers the effort and all that. Eventually, a couple years later, but eventually, 
it did pay off. So this guy can clearly help us on the field. Uh, you know, it looks like how we recruited him and, and how hard we went after him. Those first couple, or the first time around, really, really helped us out this time around. And then the last question that I know is on a lot of people's minds here right now is how quickly will Demetrius Robertson be eligible to play in Athens? He missed all but two games last year because of injury. And he is, from what we, from what I understand, applying for a medical hardship waiver to be closer to an ailing family member. So it seems like it's his mother, allegedly. Um, and it's my understanding that our staff has been working on his eligibility for a week or so already with advanced knowledge that we were very likely to end up gaining his commitment. So it sounds like we've been on this already and been working on it. And like this question of eligibility, will Demetrius be immediately eligible in 2018 or will he have to redshirt this year and then play in 2019? That's a question with a lot of gray area right now. So when he initially announced he was going to transfer, of course, I started looking all this stuff up and what I found is found out was that the NCAA eliminated the immediate eligibility for a medical hardship transfer in the 2015-2016 season, that calendar year. Uh, and th- if you guys aren't familiar with how it used to work, essentially it's like if you had someone in your family that was really, was really sick uh, and uh, you had go- committed to play somewhere else across the country and you weren't close to your family, you could be around the ailing family member, they would allow you to apply for a medical hardship waiver, which would give you the ability to be immediately eligible. You wouldn't have to sit out traditionally, uh, sit out a year like you traditionally do with a, just a typical regular run-of-the-mill transfer. But they uh, did away with that in 2015-2016. They changed it to where what they would do is they would add an additional year onto the back end of your eligibility in lieu of granting you immediate eligibility. But after a little detective work of my own, I came across a report from the NCAA Division I Council and Council Standing Committees, uh, a meeting, a report from that meeting from April of 2018. And item five from that report was very, very interesting to me and uh, I think is also very applicable to this situation. It, and what item five is the title of item five is modification of NCAA Division One committee for legislative relief NCAA Division One four year college transfers directives. All right, and here's what it says. I'm, I'm, I know this is going to sound boring and very kind of like legalese, but I want you guys to hear this because maybe I'm just missing something here. And so what it says: the council approved a modification effective immediately for student athletes seeking eligibility for the 2018-2019 academic year, which is this year, and thereafter to the Committee for Legislative Relief four-year college undergraduate transfer directive to include an academic analysis, blah, 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 blah. The big part there is that it it's in effect immediately for the 2018-2019 academic year. And what this is talking about is that for student athletes who are not eligible to use the one-time transfer exception, Specifically, immediate eligibility may be provided to a transfer student athlete provided A, the transfer is due to documented mitigating circumstances that are outside the student athlete's control and directly impact the health, safety, and well-being of the student athlete. If if it is true that he's applying for medical hardship with an ailing mother, potentially, or, or whatever family member I might be, He's, I would say, now we have no idea how the NCAA will interpret all of this, but I would say there's a very good chance he satisfies that part there. Uh, it's outside of his control. It directly impacts the health, safety, and well-being of the student athlete. You can say the mental well-being. There's ways you can get around that. B, part B says, at the time of transfer to the certifying institution, the student athlete would have been athletically and academically eligible and in good standing on the team he or she remained at the previous institution 
had she remained at the previous institution. So basically that's saying um, he can transfer as long as he was athletically and academically eligible at Cal. And from everything I understand, there, he wasn't kicked off the team. He wasn't academically ineligible. We don't know all. The, we don't have all the facts, but I've heard nothing of that sort. So it seemed he would satisfy that criteria. Then you move on to to see the certifying institution must certify that the student athlete meets percentage of degree requirements. I honestly don't know here. I don't know what percentage of his degree he has. Up, uh, gain progress towards at this point. I don't know that. I, it's, it, from all accounts, he's like a, a pretty smart kid with a good, uh, good head on his shoulders. So hopefully that's not an issue. But I don't have the information. I can pretend that I do. But I don't think that I don't think that'd be too much of a hurdle there. Then here's the part that I don't know as much. D says the previous institution's athletic administration does not oppose the transfer. So the way I read this is, I, I think he satisfies A, B, and C. I, I think there's a good chance he does. But D, this is the question. The previous institution's athletics administration does not oppose a transfer. Will Cal oppose the transfer? I don't know. I don't know. Again, I don't know if there's bad blood, if there's something else besides just the medical transfer situation. I don't know. Or maybe there isn't anything else. Maybe Cal's just going to be vindictive. They don't want to set the president of guys leaving their program like that. I don't know how that's going to play out. But based on that, I think there's a decent chance. Like, you know, prior to finding that report, my thought with Robertson was that he had about a 1% chance of being eligible this season. I, I didn't even think it was a possibility. I, just, I didn't think it was going to happen. But after seeing and reading that report, I'm not so sure anymore. I think he certainly has a better chance than I originally thought was the case. Now, there's certainly still some hurdles to cross, uh, to overcome. And I and, and with the NCAA, you just never, ever, ever know. You don't know how they're going to interpret any situation. It's just... Like it's this way is just insane. They're crazy. They're crazy people, and I just don't know how it's going to play out. But based on what I just read to you, and it said it was it was immediately effective for the 2018-2019 uh, calendar year, and that is that is this year. I think there's a much better chance than I had originally thought. And one other thing to consider here, and I know, look, I know that this is an entirely different scenario. I'm, I know that, okay, but I want to point this out as well. I think it bears mentioning. I, I think it it relates to a degree. The NCAA cleared Ole Miss quarterback transfer Shea Patterson to play immediately at Michigan a couple of months ago. Now, yes, that was not a medical hardship waiver like Demetrius. I know it was a little bit of a different situation, but in my opinion, the NCAA opened the floodgates with that Shea Patterson decision. If Shea Patterson is eligible this year simply because he was foolish and arrogant enough to be sold a bill of goods by a snake oil salesman and Hugh Freeze then Robertson should be eligible to play when appealing on the basis of a medical hardship. Just my two cents. And in, in, in looking at both those cases, I know they're different cases. If Robertson is truly applying because of a medical hardship waiver with an illness to a family member, I think that is much more uh, valid of a reason to transfer than the fact that Shea Patterson, of his own volition, made a horrible decision and decided to commit to a program that was already under investigation when he committed. He, he knew they were under investigation, he just went ahead and went there anyway because he was sold a bill of goods by by an administration and a head coach who was all in there, and he bought it hook, line, and sinker. So, yeah, they granted Shea Patterson eligibility. Okay, yeah, Ole Miss is under sanctions, and he wants to get away. He doesn't want to deal with that. I get it, but, dude, you chose good Ole Miss. You knew what you were getting into. That's your fault. So if they gave him, because for that reason, if they gave him immediate eligibility, eligibility then you, I feel like you almost have to give a player immediate eligibility when he's applying on the basis of a medical hardship waiver for a family member that that's just my two cents but that's how i see it. and yeah look of course i i want him to be eligible this year so maybe i'm i'm influenced a lot by that but i i seriously i i, I think that's a, a reasonable expectation if you look at what had happened with shay patterson but again just my two cents there 
right, so that's Demetrius Robertson. Like, if, if he's eligible this year, like, I, I still would put my, if I had to put money on I still would put money on him being el- not being eligible to, until 2019, having to redshirt this year. I think that's still the odds on favorite, but I think there's much a much better chance that he will be eligible in 18 than there was, in my mind, at least a couple of weeks ago after I found that report. Um, so if he, but even if he has to wait until the 2019, like that could be a huge benefit for us. Because look, we know Terry Godwin's going to be gone. He's going to be one of our top receivers this year. He's graduating after this year. If Miko Harbin and Riley Ridley have really good years this year, there's a chance those guys could potentially try to make the jump to the NFL. We've seen guys uh, with less ability and guys with less production make that jump and kind of scratch your heads, but they've done it. Because every every player's goal is to make the league. And if, they, if they think they have a shot, they'll make that jump. So I wouldn't be shocked if, they goes, if those guys have the kind of years that we hope that they have this year. One or both of them, Miko and Riley Ridley, could potentially jump to the NFL as well. So we could be missing... Uh, we know we have at least one of our top three receivers gone, but maybe two, maybe three of those guys gone after the 2018 season. And if that's the case, I think we're going to be set up for major success in 2019 everywhere else, but there'd be a whole wide receiver. Now we've recruited well at that position, but if you can plug in a guy like Demetrius Robinson, Robertson of his caliber in 2019, we won't miss a beat. That dude, I mean, he's legit. We know that. And then if there's somehow a way that he becomes eligible in 2018, oh my God, watch out. Like, the rest of the country might die. Like, like that. Like he, that's going to be insane if we can add him to what we already have right now with our offense. Our offense is stacked as it is. But if you add Demetrius Robertson to the equation in 2018, oh my, hey, man, that that could be incredible. That could, that could be huge for us. So we'll just see how it plays out. But I wouldn't completely count out 18. I, don't, I still don't think it's likely. But I, I mean, there's a chance. Like the way I read that, it sounds like he should be eligible as long as Cal does not uh, dispute the transfer if they don't try to hold it up. But again, this is the NCAA we're talking about, and they don't always make the most sense with the decisions that they make. But we'll see how it plays out. Uh, All right, the next one here, and while it did not quite reverberate like the D-Rob commitment did, we got a second weekend commitment from Zion Logue, a defensive tackle from Tennessee. Now, our struggles recruiting along the defensive line have been well documented this cycle. Uh, with high-profile misses of C.J. Clark, um, who ended up at NC State, and Rambo Hunter, who right now is committed to Florida State, although he's a very impressionable young man. I would not count him, count us out in the hunt for, for Rambo Hunter there. I think we could definitely have a, a shot at him, of flipping him later on this cycle. Not going to completely count us out there. But right now, he's committed elsewhere. And uh, now we're apparently in a dogfight with uh, South Carolina for Trevon Walker, who's a guy that I thought was almost a lock for us. I mean, he's a, he's a Georgia guy. Um, so man, I, like it, it's been a rough go here the past couple months with defensive tackle recruiting and maybe even the past year or so. So it is nice to finally get some good news on the defensive line front. Now saying that I know on the surface, a lot of you will look at this commitment and see that Logue is ranked 650th nationally and it's only a three-star prospect. And you will deride this as like a plan B pickup. Like, oh my God, why are we supposed to get excited about a plan B? Like after we, all the other guys we wanted are gone and then we get this guy. I know a lot of you are saying that because I know a lot of my buddies are, are saying that. And look, I, I, I don't know what our recruiting board looks like. I'm not going to pretend to know. I haven't seen it. I don't know. But I will say if you watch his film, this guy has tools. And I talked about him a couple of months ago on this show as a name to watch out for that was kind of under the radar. And I also want to point out too, like, let's not forget that uh, Bradley Chubb at NC State was the number 734 overall prospect coming out of high school. And he just got picked number five overall in the NFL draft. Sometimes that can be a tough position to project. And there are a lot of guys with tools at the high school level that lack polish, kind of like Bradley Chubb. He had the tools in high school. He just wasn't super polished. And I think that's what Logue is right now at this stage in his playing career. On tape, 
you see that he has great length, which allows him to be a very rangy player on the interior. He's athletic at 6'5 and a half, about 285 pounds. He's got very good flexibility for that size, which is huge for me. That's really important because that's big in terms of being able to play with leverage, which is what trench play is all about. You got to be able to play with leverage and get lower than the man that you're going against. You got to be able to do it. And he has that flexibility, which allows him to play with the kind of leverage that you need to play with to be successful uh, in the trenches in the SEC. Now, yeah, there, there are some skills there, but he also doesn't really know how to play with his hand right now at this point. He doesn't. Uh, and he is in serious need of a college weight program. He needs to put some, you know, he's, he's a, he's not like, he doesn't have bad weight on him. But he just needs to, he needs to bulk up. He needs to get a little stronger. But those are things you can teach and work on. You can't teach his length and his athleticism. When I see this guy, when I watch him, he clearly has all the physical tools I think he needs to become a very good player at the next level. Now that's he, he's not a, a he's not a, a done like he's not a guy that like he's he's a no brainer who's gonna come in and be a star right away. He's not that kind of guy. I'm not saying he is. It's all about how much he wants it. If he comes in, he works and he polishes his game. This guy has the skill set to be very good. Now, what kind of work ethic does he have? I don't know. Does he have what what it takes from a mental perspective? I don't know. But he has the physical tools that we can really work with at the University of Georgia. So I'm excited about it. And his rating, honestly, if you think about it, if you take a, if you kind of peel back the layers and look at it a little more closely, his rating, honestly, is a function of the fact that he's a guy that essentially has done no camps at all. He didn't go to the rivals camps, didn't go to the Under Armour camps, didn't do any of that kind of stuff. Guys who don't go to camps, they don't get seen by the recruiting services. And if you don't get seen by those services, they bury you in the rankings. But what he did do, he didn't go to those kind of camps, but he went to campuses to work out for us and Alabama. And he left after, and he left with offers after both of those workouts. So to me, that should tell you something about how the best talent evaluators in this business see Zion Logue and his potential. Is he ready to come and make immediate impact day one? Probably not. But I think down the road, once this guy gets in a weight program and he polishes up his game, I think he has potential to be a very good player. We'll see how it plays out. But uh, it's certainly, I know, all you guys can look at the ratings and say, ah, who cares? But, hey, look at it a little more closely. I think this this guy is someone that we should be excited about. Um, gets the ball rolling with the defensive line here, and hopefully uh, we'll keep it rolling here. I mean, hopefully we can end up sealing the deal with, with Javon Walker. Another name to look out for the defensive line is a guy I talked about before also on the show. Savion Williams, a Juco guy. Uh, coming out of Pennsylvania, I am really high on him, and he's high on us based on an interview that he did uh, with 247 Sports. I, I think that this is a guy, if we can land him, he can come and make an, an immediate impact next year, which might allow a guy like Zion Lowe to retro if necessary to kind of get his body ready to contribute at an SEC level. So looking for those names, Trevon Walker, Savion Williams. If we can land both those guys along with Logue, along with Bill Norton, who is already on the commit list, then I will be very happy with this defensive line class. Now, that's we got a lot, a lot of work to do. we got to land those guys. But if we can, I, I think we'll be in, in, in really good shape on the defensive line moving forward. All right, guys. Well, that does it for us here today on the Glory UJ Podcast. It does it for me on the Glory UJ Podcast. Yeah, I know it's a, a little bit of a, a shorter show. It's a quicker show, but we just wanted to talk about these two commitments in a timely fashion as quick as we could. Uh, make sure to check back with us later this week. We will have the next edition of our Summer Scout and the Enemy series. This time we will be focusing on the Florida Gators. So be looking for that. Uh, thanks for listening. I'm Tyler. And as always, go dogs. <laughs>